0: Most people, but not everyone, might have forgotten the COVID vaccine mandate for federal employees. Those against the mandate are still battling in court, and the next appeal isn't until September. To sort out what's going on and what agency management might have to do, we turn to attorney Stephanie Rapp-Tully, a partner at Tully Rinke. Ms. Rapp-Tully, good to have you back.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So what is the status of the mandate? Both is it in effect and what is the legal back and forth status at this point?
1: It is not currently being enforced because of the legal back and forth. The administration has not taken the steps to restart enforcement of the mandate. Technically, the mandate still exists back in January when they could have restarted enforcement of the mandate. They did not. And then there was a court decision in April that, again, we thought might bring forth enforcement of it. And then we have the most recent decision, which is allowing oral arguments and to rehear the case, basically in the Fifth Circuit. And that's not scheduled, like you said, until September 12th. So at this point, we're still in a standstill. No enforcement really is happening, except for maybe some health care employees in the federal government. Actually, it's a different mandate. That's a different situation. But the grand majority of federal employees, it's in a standstill.
0: So in April, that Fifth Circuit ruled against the injunction that had paused the enforcement. Yeah. Therefore, enforcement continues or did continue. But they gave could it
1: continue,
0: <laughs> could continue, but it didn't.
1: No, the administration did not take any action to continue enforcement, maybe foreseeing that this legal battle was not over and knowing that we were going to move forward. It's also unclear to me what the restart of enforcement would look like, because my understanding from numbers back in January is 98 percent of all federal employees are in compliance. Now, that doesn't mean they have a vaccine, but it means that they are in compliance. So really, we're looking at a very limited number of individuals, and most of those individuals probably already have exemption requests or accommodation requests in works. So I think enforcement would be going back to reviewing those requests and then making determinations. And so employees might not see that that's happening if they had restarted and then had to stop and then restart and have to stop. I just haven't seen any disciplinary actions come out as a result of someone not complying with the mandate.
0: All right. And so who is suing over this? I mean, who's pushing this case against the mandate?
1: Honestly, it's a federal government thing. (laughs) It's the federal government kind of versus the state government situation. Um, As you know, it's in the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit won out the lottery of circuits. So when you have a court case that can go into multiple circuits and you have them, you see them start popping up, they kind of do a lottery of what circuit wins to take on that issue. So the Fifth Circuit won that lottery.
0: Where is the Fifth Circuit? What territory does it cover?
1: It is Texas. The court, I believe, is in New Orleans.
0: Interesting. So from a standpoint of what you might expect people in terms of whether they support the mandate or not, that's an interesting piece of territory.
1: Yep. The Fifth Circuit winning that lottery was very interesting because one could kind of guess where maybe the courts might go. But then you had that district court judge who took back the block and said it should be enforced. So- You never know. I mean, even when you have courts that might sway one way or the other, you don't know what judges are going to do or what arguments are going to prevail.
0: We are speaking to Stephanie Rapp Tully. She's a partner at the law firm Tully Rinke. And what would enforcement look like if the government decides to go back after September when this thing is finalized, if it is finalized?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be finalized. I think this ends up at the Supreme Court. But let's say that it goes back to enforcement. I think, like I said, I think the grand majority of that 2% have accommodation or exemption requests pending. And so the agencies will need to go back and start adjudicating those requests and making determinations. Some people will be granted accommodations or exemptions, and some people won't. And then the disciplinary actions follow for those who won't. Now, if there's an employee who doesn't have an exemption request or an accommodation request pending, potentially it could go straight to a disciplinary action. And at that point, they still follow a progressive discipline system. So you might get a counseling saying, hey, you, you need to go get vaccinated or come up to a compliance. And then you might get a suspension. But then ultimately, you know, if someone's not going to comply, it's going to be a removal.
0: Right. But you haven't actually seen that occur yet.
1: Not for the grand majority of federal employees. I've seen a couple um, counselings. I've definitely seen counselings, um, and this was back before January. I've seen some counselings. I've seen some suspensions, but nothing removals. Now for healthcare workers, we've seen removals because that was again a different mandate, different scope of law. You know, so that's very separate and apart. We have seen removals for those.
0: Right, those were Title Thirty Eight employees for the most part, as opposed Correct. to Title Five. Correct. Although it's hard to imagine why a healthcare person in contact with patients would not want to be vaccinated, which brings me to the question of what are the most common exemptions that you've seen that people seek?
1: Really, the the religious exemption is the biggest one. We've had clients come to us with sincerely held religious beliefs, which is the standard that would prohibit them from getting the vaccine. So they need to make sure that they make that exemption request in a way that shows their sincerely held religious beliefs. And sincerely held religious belief, to be honest, is a very low standard. It is not that you are in some, you know, an organized religion. It doesn't have to be recognized like most people know about it. It has to be something that you can show consistency throughout your life. You know, it's not just this pertains to just one vaccine. It's consistent throughout your life. And it doesn't have to be like your entire life. You know, people change as they live. And so it could be something that they did, you know, a couple years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever.
0: Who decides whether to grant a religious exemption in a given agency?
1: It varies what offices are handling that. From what I was seeing back when they were adjudicating them, they had kind of developed a subsection in either the reasonable accommodation office or the EEO office to kind of work through these. In some cases, it's just the supervisor. I don't know if that's the best choice. But it varies substantially agency to agency, and the agencies have the ability to make up that process as long as they're consistent in the steps. You can make the request, it is reviewed, there's a decision.
0: And no particular OPM guidance that might have some sort of government-wide effect on how this is handled?
1: The OPM guidance is very um, broad. So the agency has to consider a request for a religious exemption. They have to consider it what they use in determining what is a sincerely held religious belief. Now there's case law to that. There's EEOC guidance on that, but the grand majority of people making these determinations are not lawyers, as is the case for if you have someone making a reasonable accommodation determination, right? So they kind of are using the same process that you would use for reasonable accommodation review. It doesn't require the interactive process with the religious exemption, but that the employee states and and specifies specifically I saw a number of cases where the person receiving information and reviewing asked for additional information. Could you get me this? Could you show me this? So I saw a lot of attempts to supplement packages if there was something that they were looking for that was missing. And then reviewing everything and making that determination. Again, the standard is so low, it's very hard to not show a sincerely held religious belief, but it's possible.
0: All right. What about medical exemptions? Is that less common?
1: it's way less common. And the CDC kind of published a list of anything that was a potential uh, medical accommodation. And it's a very short list. I I don't remember everything on that list. Basically, the CDC says if your thing is not on this list, probably not a reason not to get the vaccine, at least medically.
0: All right. So to review, then, the injunction against the mandate was tossed out by that court. The appeal hearing is in September in the Fifth Circuit. So between now and September, even though the mandate is technically in effect, the government has not been enforcing it. And what could happen in September, do you think?
1: Really depends on the court's decision. And I don't think, again, that the appeals on this are done. I think that if the court rules in favor of either, the other party is going to appeal. And I think we find ourselves in the Supreme Court at some point.
0: Right. And Supreme Court is done for the year, Right.
1: Correct. But in September,
0: they'll be back. Oh, oye! Oh, All right. <laughs> Stephanie Rapp Tully is a partner at the law firm Tully Rinky. Thanks so much for that update.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And we'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows.
2: Hello, I'm wife CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations, for leadership, innovation, dedication, And commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here.
2: Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader and what about them inspired you?
3: You No, I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy. His name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had a of tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her. I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there's so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually, I thought about throughout my entire career, he took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, uh, whether
1: Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now. Available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature.
2: Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look.